Blog Talk Radio. A good afternoon and welcome to Caregiver Speak, the first online support group by and for caregivers, providing tips, tools, perspectives, and stories that provide caregivers and families with practical strategies. I am Marjorie Pabst, your host. Many thanks to You Care Diary for sponsoring this show, and do please check out my new website, mycaregivingcoach.com, for lots of caregiver resources. Today, our topic is how the arts provide engagement and respite for caregivers and their loved ones. Joining me is our caregiver panel, Mary and Sue. Uh, Sue has not quite joined us yet, but we hope that she will uh, call in soon. Uh, They are both going to be sharing specific stories on ways that the arts have helped and nurtured their loved ones, and them as well at the same time. We're also joined by Dr. Gay Hanna, Executive Director of the National Center for Creative Aging, an interdisciplinary nonprofit organization that focuses on creative expression through the arts and humanities for older adults. Today's show also honors our dear friend and caregiving mentor, Mary Francis, whose contributions to this show will live on. Mary Francis, you are missed. Mary Francis passed last February. And now, uh, welcome Gay and Mary and I'm delighted to have you both on the program today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Marjorie. Well, Gay Hannah, to set the stage, tell us about the mission of the National Center for Creative Aging. Thank you, Marjorie. Well, the mission of the National Center for Creative Aging is to promote creative expression as healthy to living healthy to aging. We're a nonprofit organization affiliated with George Washington University, and we provide services across the country and now through a growing network across the world. Well, you may ask why creative expression when we're talking about caregiving and loved ones with memory loss and dementia. We know that it's hard to take time to do uh, just about anything during the caregiving pro- uh, process. But creative expression is unique in its ability to give joy, give comfort. comfort. It helps us communicate as human beings. So again, I look forward to, to sharing more about how a song, a poem, a dance, making a picture can bring out the strengths in the caregiver and the strengths in the loved one and provides great satisfaction for all. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Gay. Um, It's certainly a way for caregivers and their loved ones to make memories and to connect with each other in an even richer way. So um, as, as we prepared for this show... Uh, the ideas that you've mentioned about art as a way to connect us and to provide rest and respite, um, often from the realities of illness, as our caregivers know very well. And art as a way to engage families, to create those memories 
those all those themes kept coming up. So um, today, let's start with Mary. Mary, um, tell us about your experiences. Uh, by the way, for all of you listening, uh, Mary also uh, has a professional company. Um, she's been the dean of education, right, Mary? Um, yes. At our local a big university, University of Central Florida. So Mary not only is a caregiver, but she's very much engaged in the arts, music, and so on. So Mary, share with us. Thank you, Margie. Uh, Well, you know, because music has been such a part of my life through my life, and the arts have been an everyday event for me, it's probably not surprising that I would turn to the arts in, in helping with my caregiving tasks. And, you know, Gay mentioned the idea about the importance of music and the other arts in in times of memory loss and dementia. And it reminds me of my mother um, as she was aging and moved into a care facility. I would go to visit her, and they had a piano, and Although it wasn't scheduled, she and I would always sit down to play the piano. And although she really couldn't put her sentences together anymore, when it came time to hearing the hymns that had been such a part of her life, she just came to life and she sang. And I would look around the room and this unscheduled event had drawn a crowd and everybody was singing along with us and being a part of something that really was important in their lives. And so the music stirs a place in people's minds and certainly in their souls that allows them to interact and to engage in different kinds of ways. But as you know, Margie, I spent a great deal of my caregiving journey with my child. And so working with children on a caregiving journey, accompanying children, I should probably say, is different from working with and accompanying older people on that journey. And so with Amy, we engaged in lots of art kinds of experiences. She herself was very involved in theater and loved theater. And it happens that before her first long stint in the hospital, uh, she had just been in a summer play of Bye Bye Birdie. And someone made a videotape of that entire performance. I imagine we probably almost wore out the videotape because in addition to Amy's enjoyment, it really provided enjoyment certainly for me, but also for the other caregivers that Amy had in the hospital because it allowed her to share with her doctors and her nurses some of her life when it was more normal than it was at that particular time. So the arts bridged a gap in the people from the patient to the wider audience that serves that patient within a caregiving setting. And, you know, we also, because we were in hospitals for long periods of time, we tried to create our environment so that it wouldn't feel as much like a hospital. It may have felt more like a circus, actually, because we had (laughs) going on. But I remember that we created an underwater world, and we did it out of just 
just things like candy wrappers that was a shiny kind, and we hung them from the ceilings, and we we cut out fish and put them on the walls. We played the aquarium by Saint-Saëns and other music that was very soothing in our underwater world. We, we also were so benefited by having friends come to the hospital to visit, and they would bring their instruments, whether their instrument was a flute or their voices. And while visiting, they would perform, we would perform together, and it was really an important way for us all to connect, but for us to have an escape, a little moment when we could be just just people together without the the pain of the health experience that was going on. Another of my friends sent postcards, and these were art postcards to Amy, and she sent them a couple times a week. And it was obvious that she was giving us a little a little art history lesson because the postcards all were mm-hmm. of a single artist. And so we got to know the collection of his work, and it was a very important point for us just to enjoy the artwork. Of course, we put it up on the wall so that we could remember what was what, and it gave us a break, a change. And that's what the arts do for people. They help us to go to a different place. And so those are a few of of my caregiving experiences through the arts. Oh, those are wonderful examples, Mary, and I'm particularly struck by your examples of being not only your uh, interaction with your mother, with Amy, your daughter, but also kind of the ripple effect of how the arts also impacted those around them and uh, brought others into the circle, as it were, and reminded me when my husband was sick, we did a lot of storytelling, um, you know, more fictional than real. But when we would have the family over, we got into the more real, the more nonfiction. And we would tell family stories, and people, everybody would add on to that story, including my husband. So and you just, you just um, stimulated my thinking about that. So thank you so much. Gay, your your thoughts about these examples and the connectivity that that Mary is describing. Oh, Mary, and your examples are just wonderful in terms of how the arts are able to transcend any environment. And that's why we advocate if you're a caregiver and can take a book of poetry with you or or take one of the wonderful picture books. Before the call, Marjorie and I were talking about the wonderful artist Henri Matisse, and he made art towards the end of his life. He could only cut out big pieces of paper into kind of childlike but joyful shapes, and he would stick them on the end of his cane and then actually stick them on the ceiling and the walls. And any room that he was in was trans 
transformed. I know it's difficult for us to quite do that in every situation, but truly knowing that uh, you have a resource uh, through the arts to keep expressing the positive and the beautiful with your loved one, uh, it taps, as Mary said, these deep brain reserves that we often think our loved ones have lost. And we've heard stories of loved ones with their caregivers communicating actually through song when all else has passed away. So we can't emphasize enough the power of creative expression. And, um, you know, what we're doing at NCCA is trying to gather more and more examples of how the arts work during the day. And we're calling that building a quality day. So perhaps as you look at your day with a loved one and think about when there are times that might be particularly in need of some other activity or support, uh, you know, do think of music and art and dance. And we've heard specifically how powerful music is around meal times and how the arts can reinforce some of the behaviors that you're trying to help with so you can proceed with uh, helping your loved one get out of bed, get dressed, uh, uh, go about the the routine of the day. Uh, so I'm I'm encouraged by these stories and and many that we're hearing more and more every day. Yes, and uh, uh, to build upon what Gay is saying, I am told by caregivers that around 3 or 4 in the afternoon seems to be uh, the toughest time of day, particularly if uh, the morning has been full of, well, even doctor's visits, you know, that it, that at least keeps people uh, moving and um, uh, engaged. But by three or four in the afternoon, if a caregiver, say, is, is picking up their loved one from a daycare center even, that there is a real lull there. And caregivers, uh, you know, report to me that that's the hour that they get nervous and anxious about, oh, what do I do next? And so, uh, Gay, what you're saying about activities that are, you know, when you have a snack, to look at the colors in the snack, to tell a story about the cookies that you're eating or that you've baked before together, um, to add a sense of the artistic even to daily tasks can really elevate people's spirits. You know, um, Margie, I think that you're so right about that, and it reminds me that at mealtime, Eating was one of the difficult things for Amy and because she just didn't have an appetite and, of course, needed to eat. And so I did the kinds of things that made the, the food look more interesting. And um, there's research that shows that the color red is supposed to really help people be willing to eat. And so, you know, I tried red dishes and red placemats mm. just just to make it more engaging. And also, you know, putting flowers out, putting something decorative, and that gave a 
conversation point as much as a focal point and allowed some time to keep the mind off of the problems with eating and moving on to eating. So, so I think that you're so right about that. Yes. Um, illness has a way of um, depressing people, but I think the arts through engagement beyond the issues um, can really make for a quality day, as as Gay is saying, and a quality day throughout the whole day. So, Gay, uh, commenting on what Mary just mentioned, what research uh, is, if any, exists regarding the impact of arts experiences? Can you share that with us? Oh, certainly. Um, uh, related to what Margie and Mary are talking about, there is emerging research, and we have uh, studies that focus on people that are active and healthy and also research on people and caregivers uh, dealing with the stresses of memory loss. And what we're finding in each is basically two things which are cross-cutting, that the arts allow for social engagement when it's very difficult to do that uh, in other ways. And also, in all conditions, we can learn new things and have a sense of mastery. And Gene Cohen, in his research, certainly showed that people that were actively, older people that were actively engaged in professional arts programming had uh, less doctor's visits, were less depressed, and certainly had greater social engagement. In fact, he uh, calculated a cost savings in medicines from just having an active and robust life through the arts. In regards to um, the specific challenges of memory loss, I would like to mention actually three studies and programs that have supported these studies. And one is the Time Slip Program. Uh, really, it was developed out of University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee by Ann Bastings. And I would advocate if you could look this up. It's like it sounds, time slips, because it's a pro project based on imagination, not on memory, storytelling. And on that site, you'll see studies that say there was increased communication, less agitation, and that the effects really were residual and lasted beyond the activity, which is often not the case. So please look for time slips on the website. Next, there's a very stunning study out of Beth Abrams' uh, healthcare facility in New York, uh, really influenced by um, Dr. Sachs. And uh, it is with an iPod where the iPods were loaded with um, music that the family had related that the person with memory loss really enjoyed. And when they played the iPad uh, with the patient, their recall, their whole physical 
appearance changed and they were totally engaged in the music and relating their experience with the music and relating their happiness to hear it again. And uh, in fact, there is a YouTube video that's gone viral called Alive (laughs) Within. And I would advocate you listening to this And finally, there's a wonderful program that started at the Museum of Modern Art called Meet Me at MoMA. And uh, this program has actually grown, been replicated at over 43% of the museums in, in the United States. And it's really gone around the world. Its premise is very simple. Uh, caregivers and their loved ones uh, are invited to come to the museum at a special time. And there is a museum educator that uh, will lead them on a tour through the museum just to a few pieces of artwork. And in front of the artwork as part of a group, they really carry on a conversation, again, not based on facts, not really based on fiction, but imagination and what each person sees in this painting and what they imagine uh, that it's related to. And studies have shown that, again, communication increases, agitation decreases, and there are residual effects. So, uh, Margie, those are my, my three, but we've got more. And certainly you can go to NCCA's website where we keep a, keep a resource directory. Wonderful. I was just about ready to ask how caregivers can find out about those organized art programs. So thank you so much, Gay. And I uh, am assuming that they should uh, check out their, their local museum in their community or city. And uh, odds are, uh, from what you've told us, that the Meet Me at MoMA program may very well be in their community, um, along with these other two programs that you've mentioned. So thank you so much for those details. Um, Mary, do you have other resources that you would like to add to our list? No, what I'd like to say thank you to Gay as well for sharing those ideas because, you know, who are utilizing the arts as a part of their caregiving, recognize some of these same experiences that you've mentioned, like less agitation, increased communication, better focus, and how it, how it lasts. That glow from the arts experience kind of continues. And so I think that that's fabulous. Well, you know, in addition to the art experience, such as the Meet Me at MoMA program, which sounds great, um, there are the, just the music experiences, a wonderful place to take uh, the, your, your people, your, care, your people that you're caring for, would be to outdoor concerts by your local orchestra or community band, whoever might do some outdoor concert. And we're just coming into that summer season where that would be a great opportunity because it's a more relaxed kind of environment, and there can be some of the familiar along with the unfamiliar to make it be comfortable for everyone to participate in that. So that would be one of the great... Go ahead, Mary. Sorry. 
that would be one of the great things to to do with your your loved one. That's a great tip. Um, thank you so much. And you know, one benefit we have not really hit upon today, besides all the other ones that you've mentioned, is that for caregivers, I know that uh, issues of staying at home. Uh, making sure that mom and dad can stay at home as long as possible or aging in place uh, where they maybe even if they're at a a long-term care facility. These are all issues that are so important to um, people. And um, the arts have been proven to be uh, something that if utilized within a care facility or if practiced often in the home and by caregivers, that people do and can age in place uh, much longer. In fact, I think Dr. Cohen and his work on longevity uh, found that to be true, didn't he, Gay? He certainly did. He found that uh, becoming engaged in community arts activities or just visiting and having more engagement outside the home through the arts kept people active in their homes and broke down isolation, which really lowered the risk of them having to give up their home and move into a long-term care facility. You know, I think it brings up another possibility for caregivers when it does become time that they may have to move their loved one into a long care facility. Ask at that location what kind of arts experiences they provide for the residents. Do they do they have music programs? Do they have opportunities where the residents have can paint? or can talk with each other in a conversation about the arts. And I think that all of us with this interest can really influence what the practice is surrounding us by asking for these things that we know are so important to the, the quality of life that our loved ones and we will live along with them. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Mary. That's a terrific point. Um, Ladies, we only have a couple of minutes left, and I want Gay to just share um, about the NCCA Leadership Conference coming up here in just a couple weeks in Washington, D.C. I know that um, many, probably none of our listeners will be able to come, but tell us about um, the communication after that conference, Gay, and the kinds of information that will be shared with caregivers um, after the conference is over and what we're hoping to achieve. Oh, Margie, thank you, and thank you for your support of this conference. Uh, and if you're a caregiver in the greater Metro D.C., we would certainly welcome you coming. Uh, the main conference day is June the 12th at the beautiful Arena Stage, which is one of Washington's premier arts organizations. And they're allowing us really to take over the theaters and the (laughs) workshop spaces, and we'll turn them into 
great labs for us all to talk about this cutting edge and emerging work of how the arts can better help us achieve quality of life and especially influence our health care. So we will have some of the premier artists there. In fact, I mentioned Anne Basting, and she'll be there with her Time Slips project, as will Gary Glazner of Alzheimer's Poetry Project. We'll have the Museum of Modern Art with the program I mentioned. Meet me at MoMA, as well as Judith Kate Friedman with Songwriting Works and Maria Cheney with her Kairos Dance. They're all some of the best artists in the country that really use the arts to give joy and comfort to caregivers and uh, their loved ones. So we will be sharing, they will be sharing their programs and their tips and techniques, and we will be communicating this out in case you can't come in terms of building a resource for caregivers, which will be online and available, as well as we'll be doing other workshops. And we're already queuing up for our next conference in 2015. So again, uh, please, if you can, check our website, creativeaging.org, and you'll see all the details. Oh, thank you so much, and um, I look forward to being there. And uh, what you don't know, Gay, is I'm going to blog each day from the conference and put Wonderful. my thoughts and notes about what's been happening on my website, which I'm going to share beyond my website. So um, anyway, um, we're all looking forward to what comes from this conference. And I want to thank both of you for sharing your expertise today, uh, Mary and Gay. And uh, this is a topic that will be continued, so I know we'll have you back in the program. Thanks again. Thanks to our listeners. We honor you, and we hope that you have a quality rest of your day. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you.